just the sea of time. The silver skies and how the tenders all succeed the bright sunshine. In that land of perfect day, when the mists are rolled away, we will understand it better by and by.
Good morning, everybody. Welcome to the sanctuary here at Bright Temple. And to all of our friends and visitors, we say welcome on this Lord's Day. Today, I'm standing here with my friend, Braxton Barnes. We just wanted to congratulate him on this morning. His team won his, the championship. He's been an MVP of sorts because not only does he hit for home runs and for RBIs, but he also is a pitcher for his league and for his team. And they have a championship ring. And we're very proud of him for him being a member here at Bright Temple in Shelbyville, Tennessee. I hope wh whoever's out there, just lift those hands real quick, put your hand up, clap those hands as you send out that emoji for Brother Braxton Barnes, because we love him and appreciate him very much. God bless you, Brother Braxton. We're going quickly to the word of the Lord in just a moment. If you'll follow us in the word, we're going to Luke 17, and we'll be looking at verses there in verses 11 through 19 in St. Luke chapter 17. We'll be coming from the English Standard Version, so you can begin looking there as we speak with you. We pray that you are blessed on this week. We pray that you are encouraged. We pray that you're living with expectancy. This fast, these past few Sundays, we've been talking about what to expect in your life, and we've been talking about next. We talked about a couple of Sundays ago, we talked about expect a next. On last week, we talked about prepare for next. And today we're going to talk about walking in next, walking in your next. And we'll be there in Luke chapter 17, verses 11 through 19. Can I pray with you first? Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for this opportunity, Lord, to share your word with your people. Lord, and open our hearts, our minds, and our spirits that we might be receptive to what you're trying to do in these few destiny moments. Lord, allow our lives and our own passions and our own desires to run headlong into your word. And may your word do what it does best. May it illuminate our path. May your word be a light unto our feet and a lamp unto our path. In Christ's name we pray, amen. Luke chapter 17, verse 11 says, On the way to Jerusalem, he was passing along between Samaria and Galilee. And as he entered a village, he was met by ten lepers who stood at a distance and lifted up their voices, saying, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. When he saw them, he said to them, Go and show yourselves to the priest. And as they went, they were cleansed. Then one of them, when he saw that he was healed, turned back, praising God with a loud voice. And he fell on his face at Jesus' feet, giving him thanks. Now he was a Samaritan. Then Jesus answered, were not ten cleansed? Where are the nine? Was no one found to return and give praise to God except this foreigner? And he said to him, rise and go your way. Your faith has made you well. May the Lord bless his word on this morning. I'm going to talk to you again from the thought, walking in next, walking in your next. These lepers were confronted by Jesus, if you will, as Jesus was on his way and on his path, on his way to Jerusalem. He's confronted by these men who are standing off at a distance. They are, they are practicing social distancing, if you will, because they could not come in contact, close contact with people because of their condition. That might sound familiar to us now. 
This story may not have been as meaningful to us if we were not in the middle of this pandemic, but understanding now how the disease is contracted or passed or the virus is passed, we now have a better understanding of how it felt to be a leper. These men were ostracized by society. They were kept on the outside. They literally could not live inside the gates of the city. And as they were on the outside, they had to form their own sense of community. The only community that they could experience was with each other. The only conversations that they could have was with another leper. And I want you to get that and understand that that is a debilitating place to be where you can only talk to people who are suffering from your same condition. You are bound to stay where you are if you only associate with other people who suffer from your same condition. To bring it home to you if, you, if you hang around only with broke people, if only you associate with people who are broke, who only associate with people who are financially strapped, only associate, your only friends are those who are struggling, then a lot of times you have difficulty because of your association. It's good every now and then to have a friend in your group that has some money. If you want to go somewhere, it's good to have a friend who has a little money, who has some finances, so that you won't always be stuck in your situation. The best way to stay stuck where you are is to only associate with people who are suffering from the same condition that you're suffering from. The best way to stay stuck. How many times could it have happened that one of them was on the way to being healed, but by association, they continued to contract the virus. They continued to contract the disease because the only people they associated with were other lepers. How could they get healed when everybody around them was a leper? question that we might need to ask ourselves if we want to walk into our next. What do you want to do next in your life? What is it that you want to step into? What is it that you want to do that you're not doing right now? I come to tell you, if you want to do something greater than where you are right now, you may need to change your associations. You may need to change your, your, your friend group. You may need to change who you listen to. If you're trying to invest money and all of your friend, none of your friends invest, then it's time to find somebody, a counselor, an advisor, somebody who has more knowledge than you and your friends if you want to walk in your financial next. If nobody in your, in your friend group has a 401k, if nobody you associate with has an IRA, has, an, has, a, has a retirement account, if nobody you associate with has bonds and stocks or certificates of deposit at the bank, and that's what you want to walk into, you're preparing for your retirement, you're preparing for the next financial situation in your life, then you might need to expand. I'm not saying get rid of your friends. I'm saying you might need to expand who your friends are because you need somebody with a knowledge base to help you get to where you're going. Because sometimes we expect the next and we talk about a next, but we fail to do what we talked about last week. We fail to prepare for a next. You want something different in your life, then you're going to have to do something different. 
I, because I, I came to tell somebody, I need you to understand, I've said it before, and it's so true, winning the lottery is not a strategy. Winning the lottery is not a plan. Waiting on some inheritance from some unknown family member, waiting on them to die and leave you a lot of money, that is not a plan, that is not a strategy, that is not preparing for what God has next in your life. Preparation requires sacrifice. Preparation requires sacrifice. If I'm getting ready to walk into the next in my life, there are certain things I'm going to have to sacrifice. Sometimes I have to sacrifice my ego. We told you last week that David, even after he was anointed king of all, all, all Israel, he still had to go back in the back of Jesse's fields and attend to the sheep. He had to swallow his ego. He had to swallow his pride to walk and prepare for what God had next in his life. That means sometimes acknowledging what you do not know. Sometimes that means acknowledging your own financial situation. That means you need to check on your credit score. That means you need to look at your credit report. That means you need to take steps to adjust and to change what's going on in your own life and your own finances. You might have to ask yourself some hard questions and face some hard truths if you want to go to what's next in your life. If you want, if you're trying to get married, if you're looking for a husband, if you're looking for a wife, there are some things that you need to address with yourself. I need to make sure that I'm in line with God already, that my life lines up with what God desires for me. Because if I line up with what God wants, if I'm chasing God, my blessings chase me. And I want you to get that. If I'm chasing God while I'm chasing God, blessings are chasing me. They'll catch up with me if I keep chasing God. The only way I miss out on the blessing that God has for me is when I stop chasing God. When I start looking out only for myself. The Bible says, seek ye first the kingdom of God and all his righteousness and all then all of these things shall be added unto you. That means that we have to make some sacrifices. We have to sacrifice of ourself, of our, of our thoughts, of our ego, of our time, and commit them to following God. And when we line up with what God's word says, God will send blessings in our direction. But if you want another relationship, if you want a husband, if you want a wife, first make sure that you're chasing God. Make sure that your life is lined up with him. Because the blessings of the Lord make you the rich and added no sorrow with it. Yeah, baby, you can find a husband. There some, I, I guarantee anybody out there who's single, you can find a husband. You can find a wife. You can find a relationship. But often you have to be patient to get the one that God is sending. While you're waiting, make sure that your life is lined up with God. You want, you want to pursue your education? Have you filled out your FAFSA? Have you filled out your financial aid forms? Have you decided what university carries the majors or, or what community college carries the major or what technical school is teaching the skills that you want to learn next? Have you made any preparation steps to begin to walk into your next? 
What I'm saying to you is God has something next for you. Next is available. Next is there. The only question is, are you prepared for what God has next in your life? Are you prepared to walk into it? I keep saying it's, a, it's apropos example. You talking about you want a new car, but you don't have a driver's license. If somebody rolled up to your house right now and brought you a new car, you wouldn't be ready for it because you don't have a driver's license. You want all of this money. Some, you want somebody to bring you a lot of money, but you don't even have a bank account. You don't have a checking account. You're not even prepared to walk into what God might have next for you in your life. You have to be prepared to walk in to what God has for you because you never know when the opportunity is coming. You never know when Elisha is about to walk by in your life. You never know when Jesus is about to come around the corner on his way to Jerusalem and walk by your leper colony. You never know when Jesus is going to walk by the widow of Nain and see her son going out on a funeral procession and he just touched the son and he lift up and he be, he be awake and live. You don't know when opportunity is coming in your direction, so it's incumbent upon us to be prepared to immediately walk in to what God has prepared for us. I'll tell you a story. My wife and I, a few years ago, we were, we were in New York City, and we had wanted, we, it had been a desire of mine to see the play Hamilton. I'd heard so much talk about it. We'd heard so many people gushing about how wonderful it was. My wife, she has an affinity for, for play and theater, and, 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 it's, and I have an affinity for history. So it was a perfect match of, of, of something that we did, definitely would desire to see. We were in New York City. We wanted to see the play, but for those who have seen it and those who have not seen it, who know anything about it, if you go to the theater to see it, it's expensive. It's high if you want to go. So before we even went to the city, we had made sure we had enough funds. We had enough money to pay for the tickets. We were prepared. We had to make preparation for an opportunity. The other problem is tickets are so limited, you might not get a ticket, especially one that's in your price range. There are plenty that are, there are some that'll be available, but they may not be in your price range. Some of them were $700 and $500, and some of them were over $1,000. And to us, that may as well mean they didn't have any available because we couldn't pay or we weren't going to pay those amounts of money. But we had prepared, we had some money ready. We were making preparation to walk into our opportunity. You know what else we did? We decided which time we were going to watch the play. We had decided a time, I believe it was on Valentine's Day that evening. We decided we were going to go to the 7 o'clock show. You know what we did? We didn't even have tickets. And we got dressed. Didn't have tickets yet. We were, we were looking at some tickets online, and, and sometimes the closer you get to an event on certain sites and platforms, the ticket keeps going down. And that's what we were praying for. So we were waiting for the tickets to fall down into our price range. So while we were out there, we, we were in the city, we had some money in our account, we were looking at the platform to buy the tickets, we hadn't purchased the tickets, but we got dressed, we got ready, and we started walking to the theater. We were literally on our way to the theater 
without tickets. But we were dressed. We were ready. We were prepared to walk into an op- our opportunity. Literally, as we're on the same sidewalk as the Richard Rogers Theater, we could already see the marquee in view. And while we see the marquee in view, fully dressed and prepared for this opportunity, as we're walking, the, the, the price finally falls into the price range we were ready to pay. We click on the tickets, and even simply as we walk in and it process, as we were walking in, we just showed them the QR code. They scanned the code, and they let us in. But we never would have walked into that opportunity if we had not made preparation in advance to have the funds available. If we did not get dressed for the opportunity that we were about to experience, so that we were fully ready to walk in to what God had available for us. I'm telling you, you have to prepare, you have to get ready, so that when, because you don't know when the opportunity is coming, but when it comes, make sure you're ready to walk right into it. Make preparation to walk in to what God has for you. These lepers, it was an encounter with Jesus. Some would say a random encounter, but we, we know that God, he predestines, he sees things in advance. He sees things before they happen. But to the lepers, it was a random encounter. They did not know that they were about to encounter Jesus. They were standing there in their, in their, in their colony where they were ostracized, having to stay around people who suffered with what they suffered with. And while they were there, I just happened to think that somebody saw Jesus. Somebody saw Jesus coming around the corner. I had to believe that somebody was looking for him because they knew who he was. I had to believe that they recognized that it was Jesus that was about to come and change their lives. As he's on his way and he enters the village, he's met by them. They stood at a distance and it says they lifted up their voice. And as they cried out, they said, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. I happen to believe that there was an internal conversation that happened inside the colony. Then one of them said, that looks like Jesus. And I can imagine another one saying, no, that can't be Jesus. I can imagine another one saying, no, I've seen him before. I think that's Jesus. And I can hear another one saying, no, I I don't believe that's him. Let's not bother him. I can hear another one say, well, hold on. I I think I heard somebody say that that's Jesus. We know that faith cometh by hearing. And then all of a sudden they said, well, it doesn't matter. If he's not Jesus, we won't be harmed if we cry out his name. So they said, let's lift up our voice together and say, Jesus, master, have mercy on us. Have mercy on us. And I just wonder for a moment. It struck me in reading this text, in seeing the unity of these men, in seeing the unity of these people who were suffering together, in seeing the togetherness of these men who were tired of their situation, in seeing the unity of these men who had decided that they had suffered long enough 
These men were unified along this principle that something needs to change in our situation. Something needs to change in our condition. It struck me when reading this, after hearing the incidents of the death of so many black men and black people who have died unnecessarily, I wonder if America, if we would raise up our voice together, if we'd understand that we're suffering and that if one person suffers, we're all suffering. That there, that there is not racial suffering, but there's human suffering. If we would understand that in, injustice anywhere is a threat to justice everywhere. If we as a people, as a nation, unified under God, would have the same unity as these ten lepers, and if we would cry out in one voice and say, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. Have mercy on our nation. Have mercy on our world. If we cried out with one voice, I wonder if God would just not turn our situation around. The word says, if my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves and pray, seek my face and turn from their wicked ways. Then will I hear from heaven. I will forgive their sins and I will hear their land. I'll heal their land. Jesus, master, have mercy on us. Have mercy on us. I believe it was the collectiveness and the unity in their voice that struck a chord in the heart of Jesus. Jesus didn't, in a lot of instances, he approached people and he asked questions. He, he engaged in dialogue. He, he, he engaged them with, with their situation or he even asked some, did they want to be healed? Sometimes even the disciples got a question in before Jesus healed and said, well, what, was it him or his parents that have sinned? Sometimes they began to investigate the situation, but none of that happened in this story. They cry out to Jesus, Lord Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. And when he saw them, when he saw them, he saw them. Let me give you that because in a time like this, Sometimes we don't see each other. We see suffering. We see people with masks or without masks. We see people who are Republicans, who are Democrats. We see liberal and we see conservative. We see black, we see white, we see Hispanic, we see Asian. We see so many things. But do you see them? Can you see me? Not from my condition, not how I look, not how I vote, but can you just see me? Jesus looked past the fact that they were lepers. He looked past their condition and he saw them. 
And I thank God when nobody else can, Jesus can see me. When everybody else wants to dismiss me because of my color, Jesus sees me. When they want to dismiss me because of their perceived, my perceived ideology, Jesus still sees me. When they see me for how I look, when they see me for how I dress, when they see me for how much money I have or I don't have, Jesus sees me. When they see me for what I've been through, when they see me for what I used to do, when they see me for the sins that I used to commit, when they see me for fornication and adultery, when they see you, see you as a prostitute, they see you as a person who, who is loose. They see you a person who is on drugs. They see you as a person who is lost. But they don't see you. I thank God and through all of that mess, he looked before, beyond my faults and he saw my needs. And when I think of how the story goes, Jesus looked. But when he looked, it wasn't just a glance. It was a perceptive vision that saw beyond their leprosy, that saw beyond their faults. Jesus looked down and saw what they needed. He saw them. And when nobody else can see me, thank God that Jesus, he can see me. He saw them. And Jesus didn't waste any time. Jesus immediately gave them their remedy. He said, go and show yourselves to the priests. Go show yourselves to the priests. He's saying to them, I'm letting you know how you can be delivered. I'm giving you the pathway to be healed. Are you ready to walk? Come on, listen here. Are you ready to walk into your next? Are you ready to walk into the next phase of your life? Do you have enough faith to take a step in the direction that you need to go to get to the next phase of your life? I'm asking you, are you ready? Because what Jesus proposed to these lepers was illegal. What he proposed to them was unlawful. What he proposed to them was ludicrous as it relates to the law. They didn't have the right. They didn't have the authority. It was against the law for them to step back into the city and to go see the priest as long as they were with that condition. They had to have enough faith to believe that if I'm going to walk out into my next, it's going to be a step of faith. So every step that those lepers took when Jesus told them to go show themselves to the priest was a step of faith. And I came to tell somebody, when you get ready to walk into your next, don't expect the door to fling open and somebody to roll out the red carpet. It might be dark. You might not see your way, but you might have to step out by faith. Every step they took was a step of faith. I'm still a leper, but I'm going to see the priest. It's unlawful for me to enter the city, but I'm going to see the priest. 
if I get caught seeing the priest in my condition, I'll be in trouble, but I have to be prepared to walk into my nets. So I'm walking by faith and believing that Jesus is about to change this situation. That this time is going to be different. And I came to tell somebody that you've been through before. You've been rejected. You've been set aside. You, your application was denied. But I came to tell you the appeal is about to work in your favor. God's about to change that situation around. It's going to be different this time. And I, I need somebody to hashtag that for your own experience. It's going to be different this time. It's going to be different. It looked bad the last time. I was hurt the last time. I was disappointed the last time. But this time, it's going to be different. I'm trusting God that it's going to be different. You remember when Peter, he said, I've told all night, Lord, we've been out on the sea. We've been fishing all night. And we've taken nothing. We've cast our nets out all night, but... Even though we cast our nets out all night, we still have taken nothing. We don't have any fish to show for what all of our work. We don't have any results to show for what we've been through. But Jesus came along the shore and as Peter and his men were about to retire, Jesus said, I need you to go again one more time. He told him, I want you to go back out onto the water. I want you to go back out and cast your nets one more time. Many of us are in a situation like this. Jesus is telling us to go back to a place where we failed. He's telling us to go back into a situation that didn't work out last time. He's telling us to return to a job where we're frustrated. He's telling us to, to heal a relationship that we want to be done with. But what Jesus told Peter, he said, go back out to where you've already been. G Peter replied to Jesus. He said, Lord, we've already been out there. We were out there all night. And he said, we took nothing. But he said, but at thy word... Somebody get that. He's saying, but at thy word, he said, I'll go back out to the place where I've already been. I'll go back out in the same boat that I was out in all night and I'll cast the same nets over the same water that produced nothing last time. But this is why you have to be ready to walk into your next. It may not look like you expect it, but you have to be ready to do whatever the Lord tells you. So Peter goes back out over the water. He guides his boat back over to the same place that he spent the whole night. And then he takes his net and he casts it out over the water. And then all of a sudden, he's in the same boat. He's in the same water. He's using the same nets. He's with the same men. But all of a sudden, something is different. He feels a shaking on the side of the boat. He tells the men to pick the nets up. They begin to try to draw in the nets. And as they're drawing in the nets, there's so many fish inside the net that the net begins to break. There's so many fish. Peter tells the men, 
in the other boats. He said, come on over here. I need you to help us take in these fish. The other boats came in. They began to take in the fish. There was so many fish that the boat began to sink. Come in here with me now. I said, there's so many fish inside the boat that the boat began to sink. So then Peter, the fisherman, had to say something that I believe no other fisherman has ever had to say. Peter had to stand up and tell the other fishermen, I need you to stop fishing. If we catch any more fish, we won't make it back to shore. If we catch any more fish, we're going down in the water. And I came to tell somebody today, you're about to step back into a place where you caught nothing. You're about to step back in a city where people denied you. You're about to step back into a situation that embarrassed you. But I want you to know that at God's word, it's going to be different. At God's word, he's turning it around. At God's word, you're about to experience the overflow in your life. Somebody say overflow. Hallelujah. Somebody say overflow. 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 The key to that story is that we have to understand is that Peter, when he went back into the water, when he went back into that same situation, when he went back with that same boat and that net, yes, he showed some faith, but he didn't show the faith of expecting on Jesus level. I need you to elevate your expectancy because if he had expected on Jesus level, we know Jesus can do exceeding abundantly above all that we can ask or think. On that level, he needed bigger nets. On Jesus level, he needed a bigger boat. On Jesus level, he needed more men with him. He wasn't prepared to take in what God had for him. Reminds me of the widow in Elisha. Remember the widow? She, she said, my debtors are coming. They're about to take my sons as slaves. Prophet, what can you do about it? Elisha said, what do you have in the house? She said, all I have is some oil in a pot. Elisha told us that you and your sons go out and get more vessels. Go out and get more pots and bring them to your house. Borrow them if you have to. But bring all the empty vessels and all the empty pots that you can into your house. So she goes out and her sons, they, they borrow vessels, they find vessels and, and they put them inside the house. And then Elisha told her to close the door. And with that one vessel that has oil, I want you to fill up the other vessels. She begins to take that vessel that has oil in it and she begins to pour into the other vessels, filling them up to the brim. And as she has filled up 
all the vessels, the oil is still flowing. And she says to her sons, bring me yet another vessel. Bring me another pot. And the son said, mom, there is no more pot. There are no more pots. There's not another vessel. And as soon as they said there's not another vessel, the oil stopped flowing. It stopped flowing. Don't let the oil stop in your life because you're not prepared to walk into what God has next for you. God told the, through the prophet, he told Israel, he said, enlarge the place of your tent. Drive your stakes deep into the ground. Because the tents you have now are not ready to receive the blessing that I'm about to pour in your life. Some of us, we say we're ready for next, we want next, we desire next. But are you prepared for next? And are you ready to walk in to what God's about to do to your life? I'll give you this and then I'm finished. One of the 10 lepers, just one. While he was running, he recognized he was healed. He recognized he was whole. And he understood that praising God was more important than going to the priest. I believe that this was a praiser who ran with expectancy. He ran trusting and believing that God's about to turn this around and when he does it, I'm going to give him the glory. I'm going to give him the honor. I'm going to give him the praise for what he has done. Jesus gave this man a double blessing. When he returned and gave praise to God, Jesus said, here's one and he's a Samaritan. He said, but where are the nine? But Jesus told him, he said, son, you go in peace. Your faith has made you whole. When Jesus spoke those words, I happened to believe that it was not only his physical body recovered, but God touched his emotions. God touched his mind. God touched his relationship. God touched his finances. God touched everything about him that was lacking. That Jesus in that moment, he spoke wholeness over his life. And for somebody out there, I don't want to just speak to your disease. I don't want to just speak to your relationship. But God wants you to be whole. We know that all things work together. All things, all things work together. For the good of them that love the Lord. For them who are the called according to his purpose. Don't just be healed from your infirmity. But praise God. And believe by faith. That our Savior can make you whole. Can I pray with you? Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for laying out next in our life, for laying out the opportunities before us, for allowing your blessings to chase us as we chase you, for being faithful to your word, Lord, that if we seek your kingdom, then Lord, all things, these other things shall be added into our lives. Lord, help us to live whole, healed and whole in our lives in Jesus name if there's someone out there today if you're not saved why don't you pray this prayer with me say Lord I am a sinner I have fallen short
of your glory. And I'm sorry, Lord. I'm sorry for all of my sin. Please forgive me. Lord, I need you to wash my heart, wash my mind, wash me all over, Lord. Create within me a clean heart and renew a right spirit within me. Lord, I believe in my heart and I confess with my mouth that Jesus Christ was crucified. He died and was buried, but rose again with all power in his hand. And today I claim him as my savior and my Lord. Jesus, come into my heart and I'll make you my savior and my Lord. If you said that prayer by faith, if you say that prayer with true commitment in your heart, then your heart has experienced a change. Jesus is shining light into your spirit, into your soul, and he's made you brand new. Get connected to a body of believers right now. If you want to connect with us, you can do it right now online. You can text Bright Temple to 66866. Just text Bright Temple to 66866, and you can connect with us virtually even right now. We pray God's blessings over your life and we pray God's blessings over the lives of everyone who was a part of this broadcast this morning. And we pray that you be blessed and whole until we shall see you again. I hope and pray that each of you were touched and inspired by our service today. If you wish to partner with us, you can do so by give a five, download the app on Apple Store or Google Play, search for Bright Temple. If you wish to partner with us on Cash App, just look for Bright Temple in the two line. And in the four line, tell us the purpose of your gift. If you would rather mail your gift, you can mail us at Bright Temple, Post Office Box 453, Shelbyville, Tennessee, 37162. Thanks in advance for your generosity, and we pray God's blessings on you and your gift. 